Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I know some of you cheated. You put up your Christmas decor before Thanksgiving. We got any cheaters out there? I know we got some of them on our other campus. Look at Maya. She's saying, my mommy's a cheater. She cheated. She cheated. Did you? You did not? Listen, I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love that song. I don't know if you know this about that song, but that song was written by a priest who wanted to celebrate the refurbishing of their church organ. And he reached out to a local winemaker who happened to be a poet. And most people would agree that he just sampled too much of his creation. He wasn't even a Christian, but he was a poet. So the priest reached out to him and told him, we want to celebrate the the refurbishment of the church organ. Can you put some words down on paper that would help us to do that? And he did. And he penned the words to this powerful song that we just listened to. And he just knew as a poet that these words needed to be put together with music. So he reached out to a Jewish man in the town who wasn't necessarily a Christian either, but who was a composer of music. So they worked together and they penned Oh Holy Night. And long story short, here we are, I don't know how many years later, and we're celebrating this rich, rich song that points people to the true reason for the season, and that's Jesus Christ among us. Can you say amen, church? I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. As a matter of fact, what do you call a child that does not believe in Santa? Come on, anybody got any ideas? Let me tell you, okay? A rebel without a clause. (laughs) How much did Santa pay for his sleigh? Nothing, because it was on the house. Here's the last one to kick off our message this morning. What do you call Santa if he goes down a lit chimney? Come on, this is an easy one. Crisp Kringle. Crisp Kringle. Come on, hold your Bibles up. Let's say this together like we do every Sunday. Mean it from your heart. Let's prepare our hearts for God to speak to us. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever in Jesus' name. We're starting a new series today on all three of our campuses and we're simply calling it A Weary World Rejoices. And the subtitle is Finding the Thrill of Hope that Jesus brings. I don't know if you realize this, but now more than ever, our world that we live in needs to find the thrill of hope that Jesus brings. 
Our world that we live in is very weary. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you realize this, but on one occasion when Jesus was healing people and he was doing ministry and he was sharing the gospel, the Bible tells us that he looked at the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And sheep without a shepherd die. And Jesus is our chief shepherd, and he has a heart for every human being. To be weary is to be worn out, to be tired, to be weak, and sometimes harassed. Sometimes at the end of your rope. But the good news is to all who are open to Jesus, he still brings light and the thrill of hope. Bible hope. Not like I'm sitting at the bus stop and I hope the bus comes on time. Bible hope is confident, joyful expectation that's founded on the integrity of God and the integrity of his word. It's something that rises up on you and it gives you this spirit of expectation because God is telling the truth. Amen, church? For decades, I don't know if you realize this or not, but for decades, the celebration of Christmas has been drifting. Marketing and merchandising have infused themselves into our culture to the point that Christmas has two expressions, one spiritual and the other worldly. And for the most part, society tries to manage somewhere in the middle, finding joy in whichever context, spiritual or worldly, that they find themselves in. However, over the past couple of years, we know a worldwide COVID pandemic made worse by opposing politics and contradictory science, racial tension fueled by radical ideology, violent protests, and a growing cancel culture, soaring prices brought on by a spiraling economy and supply shortages, and a rise in virtually every fear and addictive sinful behavior brought on by mounting anxiety, anger, and frustration has created dividing lines in every area of life. Isn't that true? What happened to joy to the world? Where's the peace on earth and goodwill towards men that's needed now more than ever? The truth is, our world is weary. But the good news is, to anyone that will recalibrate their hearts to pursue Jesus and receive him in a fresh new way. He still is the life and the light and the hope of the world. And we still can experience him in the middle of a world that is growing darker and darker and darker. Isn't that true? Say it's true. It's true. So here's the question. What does it look like to ready ourselves for Jesus this Christmas. Uh, what did it look like in the scriptures for the people back then and there to ready themselves for the arrival of the life 
and the light and the hope of the world. I want us in this series to look at some Bible characters, some familiar and some maybe not so familiar, and we're going to take a good close look at what the Bible says that they possessed to ready themselves for the hope of the world, to receive the thrill of hope, to receive the life and the light that would only come through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to start today by looking at Mary. So let's go in our Bibles to the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I'm praying this morning the Holy Spirit helps each of us to see this with fresh new eyes. Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to just read a little bit of the story, and then it's going to give us a running start. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 28. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Luke chapter 1, verses 28 through who knows. Open your Bible or your Bible app. And I'm, I'm reading. Here it goes. And having come in, the angel said to Mary, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at what he said and considered what manner of greeting this was. Verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. The name Jesus means he shall save. Verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I'm not married and I haven't been with a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She's talking about herself. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. And then uh, the Bible tells us that Mary goes to visit Elizabeth Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist. When John the Baptist, who's in Elizabeth's womb, hears Mary come in, the Bible tells us that, that the baby leapt on the inside of uh, Elizabeth's womb. And then Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit of God, began to prophesy over Mary. And, and as this as if she was there when Gabriel was telling Mary all of these powerful promises that were going to come to pass. This is the story, and this is what happened. And then Mary begins to break out with this prophetic song, and she begins to sing, starting in verse 46. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Look at verse 48. For he has regarded the lowly, or the humble, state of his maidservant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me Blessed. Go down to verse 42. It says, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly or the humble. Verse 30, 53. He has filled the hungry with good things 
and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, I don't know if you ever caught this or before, but there's a lot of reasons why God chose Mary to conceive and to birth Jesus that we'll never know in his sovereignty, in his grand scheme. We'll never know. But there are some things in the Bible that we can point to, even though Mary was a young girl, maybe 13 to 15 years old. The Bible shows us she loved God. She had a relationship with God. She knew the Torah. She knew the scriptures. She was familiar with God. She recognized that there was an angel of God. She received the words of God from the angel. There's a lot of reasons we can see there's some indicators Mary was chosen because she had some qualities in her life. But one of them is right there in verse 48. Look at it again, Luke 1:48. I want to read it out of the Amplified. The Amplified says, for, remember, she's speaking. For he has looked with loving care on the humble state of his maidservant. He has looked, God has looked at me, his maidservant, in my humble state before him. This is important, church. I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about the necessity of having a humble heart. A humble heart. Now, I want you to remember that the heart, when we're talking about the heart, biblically speaking, it refers to a person's center for the physical and emotional, intellectual, and moral activities. It's not just this organ that pumps blood. It's the center of who we are. And it's important that we don't miss or we don't minimize one of the reasons God chose Mary, listen, to carry or to conceive Jesus and to birth Jesus. And if we can catch this, you and I, fresh and anew, this Christmas season, we can conceive something fresh of God in the person of Jesus. We can be carriers of Jesus, and we can birth Jesus in and through our lives for people around us, because he's the only one who's the answer to a weary world. He's the only one who can bring rejoicing. Isn't that true? So, Bible says Mary was lowly or humble. Biblically speaking, humble means this, to be free of concern for your own ego, that you're unreservedly elevating God and those around you. Now, a world or a secular definition would just to be free of ego, and you want to elevate others around you, and that's true. But when we get over here to spiritual things concerning the Bible, it includes elevating God above myself. And true? Isn't that true? This person says, God, I exalt you and I lower myself. I value what you say over what I think. I value what you say over what I think, and I'm willing to put my life under you. I think more of you, God, than I do of myself. That's biblical humility, and God saw that in Mary. Kids, what do you think is the opposite of humility? Any ideas? Parents, you could whisper it in their ear if you want. Pride. Yes. Pride. Good job, Gideon. Pride is the opposite of humility. I know you know this, but go with me. Pride is seeing and showing uh, yourself over others, including God. 
It's an overinflated view of oneself. Let's be reminded what the scripture says about pride and humility. Go with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 5. It's before 2 Peter. There's no 3 Peter, so if you've gone beyond 2 Peter, you're way off course. 1 Peter chapter 5. He's giving us instruction as the church. Verses 5 and 6. He says, now, now listen, kids, younger people, uh, that would include all of us if there's older people in here, and so this is applicable to every single one of us. Listen, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and listen to this, and be clothed with humility. So humility is something we choose to put on, like our coat, like our jacket, like our shoes. And then it says, why? For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Notice that he may exalt you in due time. It's important, church, that we recognize that one of the reasons God chose Mary is because she was of a humble heart. How many of you have heard of C.S. Lewis, the famous Christian author? He was quoted saying this, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm just a poor old peasant. I'm just an old sinner. I'm just this, I'm just, no, 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 no. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of God and others more. So what could we expect when we walk in humility? When we push back on pride and we choose to think of God more and others around us more. Well, I want to look at real quickly, what did Mary receive? Look at Luke 1.28. Remember, the angel comes in and he says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'm sorry I don't have a fill in the blank for you today. But this is the first thing that you can recognize and expect when you and I walk in humility. When I walk in humility, I receive grace and blessing. That's what the angel said. Rejoice, highly favored one. That's grace. Favored means grace. The grace of God is pointing towards her. The grace of God is moving for her. The grace of God is on her life. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When you and I choose to walk in humility, to have a humble heart, we receive grace and blessing. Now, the truth is, when you receive Jesus, you did receive grace and blessing. His grace and his blessing is on your life. But did you know that you and I can live in such a way that allows God to give us more grace and more blessing? He can increase his grace and his favor and his blessing on your life. And one of the ways is to have a humble heart. Think about that. It says that God resists the proud. 
God resists the proud. I was up early this morning, and I was praying, and I was thinking, and I got my journal out, and I was just thinking about this and jotting some things down. God's still working on me. I'm still under construction, but I wrote some things down. Humility is dependence on God. Pride is independence from God. There's a big difference. Jesus was dependent on God. Lucifer wanted to be independent from God. Caused him to fall. The greatest expression of humility in a man's life is total dependence on God. The greatest expression of pride in a man's life is his independence from God. God resists the proud. Why? I think it's because the proud first resist God. God can't be where he's not wanted. God can't move where he's not wanted. Isn't that true? So walking in humility sets us up to receive Jesus and to receive the light and to receive the life and to receive the hope. What's the second thing that we can expect when we choose to clothe ourselves with humility? Look at Luke 138, verse 38. So Mary's responding to everything the angel said. Mary said, behold, look at me, the maidservant of the Lord. Listen to her words. Let it be to me according to... To your word. Now, whose word really was it? The angels? God's word through the angel. So Mary is submitting to what God said. And she's saying, let it be to me according to what God said. And then the angel left. What confidence Mary must have had just by submitting her life to the Lord. By being willing to do and to receive what God was saying to her. Here's the second thing. Write it down or make a note of it. When I walk in humility, I receive God's promises with great confidence. I receive God's promises with great confidence. See, when you're humble before the Lord, you don't have to be overly concerned. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to fight for what's yours. You don't have to vie for what you think belongs to you. You don't have to try to push other people down while you push yourself up. Jesus is the life and the light of the world. And if we learn to walk in humility and put God first and prefer others before ourselves, like Mary, we can expect to be confident when God says, I want to do this in your life. I know a person who took a job, and the job was not the person's dream job. The job was not the career move, right? But this person felt like, I'm going to just do it. This is an opportunity God's given me. I believe he wants me to take a step. So the person took the step, showed up to work faithful, did the best that they could for the employer and for the boss, just was faithful to show up and faithful to do a good job, faithful to trust God, faithful to be confident in God, faithful that God started this and God would see it. Through. And little by little by little, faithfulness and humility before the Lord, the company began to see the value in this person. This person began to in, be invited into more and more responsibility, more and more increase. And over a couple, three or four years, this person's income doubled in hourly wage. And over three and a half years, get this, increased 600% than where she started from. 
And this is because this person recognized, I can trust God. I can put my faithfulness in God. He's going to come through for me. I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to do what I'm being asked to do. And I'm going to show up and do a good job. Church, when we do that, we shine the light of Jesus to those around us. And we put all of our faith, we put all of our trust, we put all of our confidence in God to do what only he can do. Amen? So the first thing you got to know, when I walk in humility, I receive grace and blessing. The second thing, when I walk in humility, I receive God's promises with great confidence. There's some people who aren't receiving what God has for them because they don't even realize They're not walking in humility. The greatest expression of humility is to receive God and to receive what God says above what you think and above what you say. And when we do that, we position ourselves for the life and the light and the hope that comes through Jesus. Here's the third and final thing we can expect when we walk in humility. It's found in Luke 1, 52 and 53. Go with there. Go with me there. Luke 1, 52 and 53. Notice, this is a song that Mary's singing after she just realizes all of these things are going to come to pass and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of her. She's prophesying. I mean, it's a picture of what would happen later when the New Testament church is birthed, but she's prophesying and she says this, he's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. That's humble. And listen, and has filled the hungry with good things And the rich, he sent away empty. You know, one of the things that will uh, give us opportunity to experience what Jesus has is being hungry for who Jesus is. Come on, church. One of the things that will give us an opportunity to experience what Jesus has is to first be hungry for who Jesus is. And so many people want what Jesus has for them, but they don't really want Jesus. And we got to go back to that. He is the ultimate gift. Here's the third and final thing. When I walk in humility, I receive exaltation and satisfaction from God. I receive satisfaction from God. Notice she says, he has filled the hungry. You can't be filled with God if you're not hungry for God. God, give us a hunger for you this Christmas. Give us a desire to pursue you above the lights, above the trees, even above the tamales, God. I love those tamales, but let me pursue Jesus first. Amen? It's about him. Filled means to be satisfied with abundance of God in your life. And that's what we need. I love Psalm 63, 6. It says this. I will be satisfied as if I had eaten the best food there is. I will sing praise to you with my mouth. God wants you to be satisfied. God wants you to experience blessing and fullness and and abundance. God wants for you to experience his abundance in your life coming through the person of Jesus. But we have to be humble. We have to exalt God. We have to be willing to make room for him. So many people in our culture, church, not this church, but there's so many people in our culture who say they love God, but their life is contradictory to what they say. How many of you heard this saying, the proof is in the pudding? I don't know where that came from, but it's true. Amen. I know it's true. 
as we're getting ready to close, come on, somebody say, that's a miracle, Pastor. You're fast. As we're getting ready to close, I want to read to you a a letter that someone wrote into a very famous pastor. I won't mention his name. But this is a letter who watched or heard his program and tuned into one of his messages. It's a heartfelt letter. I want you to listen to it as it connects to this third point. When I walk in humility, I receive exaltation, promotion, and satisfaction from God. He says, Pastor, I heard your program on the radio, so I thought you might be able to help me with my dilemma. I'm sure you're familiar with the old U2 song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. That song can be the theme of my life. It's a strange feeling since I have by all standards achieved everything that most people work their entire lives for. The success of an investment banker has given me multiple homes, nice cars, plus all the perks and luxuries you'd expect. I'm married to a great woman. I have two wonderful kids that I adore, and I enjoy good health. All of this came at a much earlier age than I thought it would ever happen. And yet, I'm just not as happy as I think I should be. To be honest, I'm often restless, bored, and very unsatisfied with my life. Sometimes at night, I feel hollow and empty. And I keep thinking to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. Pastor, what do you think I should do? Wow. See, church, Jesus is the only one who satisfies. There's so many people searching for people or places or things to just fill the void. There's a void that we have that can only be filled by Jesus. What should I do? What should I do, Pastor Robert? I love what it says about Jesus. One last scripture. I just want to read it to you in Philippians 1, 5 through 8. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and death on a cross. See, church, Jesus really is the reason for the season. Would you just allow the Holy Spirit to stir up a fresh expectancy 
for the one who brings the life and the light and the hope that you need. If you'll do that through clothing yourself first with humility, God's grace, God's blessing, God's favor, God's promotion, God's satisfaction will fill you this Christmas season. Have you been blessed by the word church? Come on and stand to your feet and let's pray. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.